Well, kia ora and welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we've got another very special guest in the studio, Mr. Dylan Rushbrook. Woohoo, I'm very excited. Hey Chambers, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm sort of winding down for the end of the week. We are recording this episode a little bit earlier than usual, but we've got a great one lined up today. We have. I'm very much looking forward to this interview. Yeah, Dylan's great. Dylan's a really busy guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. And I think he shares some great tips about how he manages his time. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of those guys in the industry. And I guess there's a lot of people in the tourism industry that do wear a lot of different hats at various times, but he certainly has his fair share going on down there in central Otago. So yeah, really excited about sharing this episode with everybody and and seeing what everyone thinks. Yeah, I think he's the grown-up version of how we've discussed, you know, when you want to come into the industry, you put your hand up and get involved in anything and everything. And he's the kind of grown-up version. He's still doing that in the industry. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Well, uh, to be fair, it was only a few years ago, and I know he'll hate me saying this, but it was only a few years ago that he was the chair of Young Tech. So I think he might have outgrown Young Tech and he's graduated to Old Tech as we affectionately call the normal tech now. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's certainly been around a while and had a great career to date through the industry. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a great show and lots of great information and yeah, let's get on with it, shall we? Absolutely. Let's go. Well, Mr. Dylan Rushbrook, welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Michelle. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, now we've talked about this before, but you're one of the busiest people in the tourism industry, I think, at times, and you wear a lot of different hats. So can you tell us about them all and how you got involved in so many different projects? Sure. Um... So I'm a general manager of Tourism Centro Otago, so the RTO for the region down here. I'm also the COVID-19 recovery manager for the Centro Otago District Council. So those two roles effectively add together to create a full-time role. I'm also co-founder in Tourism Talents, though to be fair, I've really had to step away this year and let uh, Jason look after the bulk of that work. I am a director also of Dunedin Venues and a trustee on Regional Tourism New Zealand. Geez, how did I get into all these roles? Some by accident. Uh, yeah, certainly it wasn't the plan to come down to Centro Otago and be part of the RTO in terms of managing it. I had actually been appointed to the advisory board, but due to um, illness of the previous GM, um, I stepped in as acting uh, and then had the opportunity to come in full time and absolutely love it. Um, certainly an RTO role was probably never on my plan, but now that I'm in it, I love it, absolutely love it. It's such a pleasure to promote the place you live and to talk about the place that you live daily to people. It's awesome. Yeah, cool. Sounds great. You must have some great uh, time management tips there, Dylan, you could share with our audience. How do you do it? 
Good question, Lisa. <laughs> um, oh, look, if I'm honest, some days are a shambles. Uh, I've lucky, I've got a really good team who, particularly in the RTO, uh, support uh, what I do. One of our team, our admin marketing coordinator runs my diary which is pretty critical because uh, that bit keeps me on track although I am known to try to book three things in at once and try to be in three different parts of the <laughs> region or country but she keeps me in line but look reality is it does take some hard work you know last night for example I was emailing at 11 o'clock at night that's just reality sometimes and that's tourism right no day really pans out as you had planned but it's fun and I guess if you're enjoying it it doesn't really feel like work yeah yeah that's it. so true so true. Mm. Hey, now you haven't always lived in central Otago. You've moved your family down back down there a couple of years ago. And I would say you found a pretty dream job by the sounds of things promoting the incredible place that you live. So can you tell us a little bit about what makes central Otago so special to you? Yeah, look, um, We've got a young family, so one of the great things about this place is just being able to get outside and get out into the outdoors, whether that's down at the lake, it's on the cycle trails, uh, leaving the kids behind and going to one of the wineries, um, <laughs> with carers, of course. Um, yeah, but they're a little bit young to be left alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it's just a great place, and I guess community as well. Um, we're only a small community here in Cromwell. We're on base. We've got 5,500 people, uh, and so you feel pretty quickly part of that community with lots of other young families around as well. So I know Natalie, my wife, has made lots of um, really good friends very quickly. Other people have moved to the district in recent time as well. Yeah, awesome. So can you give us some insider tips on how – the locals live, Dylan, like, we won't tell anyone, but what's yeah, the absolute sure. must-do in, in Central? Oh, look, I think if you went around every single household and looked in every garage, everyone's got a bike because clearly we've got so many cycle trails around here. In fact, there's a, another one just being finished off, uh, which will open in uh, the new year. So you've got to have a bike. You get looked at a little strangely if you don't like Pinot Noir. So that's, <laughs> that's another one that's a bit of a given. But, yeah, you just got to love the outdoors. Uh, and it's pretty easy to love, really, uh, when you look around and, and look what's here on the doorstep. It's, it's awesome. There's some quite amazing bike trails around by where you are, and I'm very excited about that one that you've mentioned that's opening. Can you name a few of your favourite? Oh, look, my absolute favourite trail would be the Roxburgh Gorge Trail. Yeah. So it connects you between Alexandra and uh, Roxburgh Village. And the highlight to that part is that in the middle, the track stops and you have to take a jet boat ride. And oh, then so the jet boat operator is there and gives you kind of that into of that part of the experience and the history of that part of the gorge. You can see some of the old mining relics from back in the mid 1800s when uh, people were here mining for gold. And you know the climate around here and how harsh it is both in summer and in winter and seeing the way people somehow managed to forge a living. And, and that mm. environment is pretty incredible, actually. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Roxburgh Gorge, easily my favourite cycle trail around here, although I obviously haven't done the new one yet, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, that That's new fine. one you were pointing out to us when we were down there in July, and that looks super amazing, you know, sort of hanging on to the side of the cliff face along the yeah. river there, and I think that'll be, yeah, that'll be a huge jewel in your region down there when that opens. Yeah, we've, we're pretty excited. There's a lot of buzz about it already. A few people trying to sneak past the barriers oh, at really? this stage. Uh, <laughs> Get <but> stuck halfway. <laughs> yeah, well, the track only goes to a certain point and then you yeah, literally exactly. are stuck. But yeah. no, everyone's buzzing about it. It'll be pretty cool. 
Yeah. Cool. Hey, so what have you noticed with the domestic market since the borders have been closed? Has that been like, when I say a good thing, I mean, it hasn't been a good thing for many of us, but have you noticed that the Kiwis are getting out and really exploring central Otago a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Look, I guess the the beauty of the Kiwi traveller is they explore deeper. And we're one of those Mm. regions, I guess, where it takes a little while to discover some of those gems, whether that's like the Naseby or it's the Teviot Valley. But people are kind of getting, well, they're definitely coming down and exploring and and going further. We've seen really impressive numbers of domestic visitors compared to the same time last year. We, back in April, I think we'd predicted we were going to be 40 to 60% down in total visitor spends. We're actually only about 10% down. So yeah, everyone's pretty chuffed. That said, there are obviously segments that are hurting and commercial accommodation is definitely one of them that really is hurting. But then others are up. Our bike operators are well up. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a funny one because you can have a business sitting side by side. One's doing really well and one's not. And yeah, yeah no real, well, there is a, a reason to it, but it, it's not necessarily what we would have thought back in um, the early stages. Are you getting much flow on effect from the influx of Aucklanders who are going to Queenstown, for example, or are you getting more of the self-drive market out of Christchurch, Canterbury regions or a bit of both? Look, a bit of both. So we are intentionally, as the RTO, targeting the drive market. So Mm -hmm. we've been focusing on that Christchurch South market. Two reasons. One, we don't have the big budgets like many of our our colleagues. But also, it's so noisy in the Auckland and Wellington markets that we've just said, look, we'll let others create the interest and and we'll try to tap in when there's an opportunity. So we know Queenstown's doing really well as well in terms of attracting uh, Aucklanders down. And we're certainly getting a number of those come through. We saw it when Auckland went into that second lockdown straight away. It was like a bit of a tap had turned off. So we're certainly seeing right. those people come across as well. Yeah. I think, okay. I think like you referred back to, Dylan, that the Kiwis definitely explore a bit deeper. And, and that's exactly why they are ending up on your doorstep because it is those, they do want to see more of the backyard and find the, off the beaten track. They don't want to do all the standard international tourism routes that we were used to um we're definitely seeing and we've discussed it before on other podcasts michelle the regional dispersal is is actually happening um mm. which we've always talked about and we're actually seeing it happen now thanks yeah. to the kiwis yeah who knew all you had to who do was knew? shut the borders and uh say <laughs> solve kiwis, the regional dispersal problem <laughs> yeah. Yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly So now prior to being the GM at Central Otago, Dylan, Mm -hmm. you had a long career in hotels. So can you tell us what you think the biggest differences or challenges are in an RTO versus a tourism business? That, Lisa, is a very good question. (laughs) Yeah, look, I guess fundamentally most of my roles in hotels when I moved into the sales marketing side came down to we had very clear KPIs. Um, you had very measurable goals that you were um, able to understand literally on a daily basis how you were performing against those goals. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge as an RTO is data. And when you do get data, it's about three months three old. Three months late, yeah. Yeah, so you really struggle to understand in real time um, what's happening uh, out there. So, yeah, I, I try... Um, to be really connected to our operators, as our whole entire team does, uh, recognising they're the ones on the ground. They can give us feedback pretty quickly. Still, obviously, only anecdotal, but it's a good indicator of, of how things are tracking. 
Yeah. It's usually a good temperature check, isn't it? Just to see yeah. what, what people are saying out there. And, and I guess when you're in the hotels, hotels are probably a little bit different to tourism attractions, even that you are constantly reviewing revenue and occupancy, as you call it, in the yeah. hotel game. And so you're, you're in constant contact with your inbound operators and your wholesalers overseas on a very regular basis. And now you've just switched that to your operators in region. So it's, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I guess if I think back to Sky City, and obviously I was looking after both hotels, but also with the Sky Tower, and I guess that's helped in understanding with activity operators. Mm. They don't; it's really hard for them to forecast what's coming, right? Absolutely. Because um, unlike hotels, they don't have a forward kind of booking plan. People yeah. just rock up, and Kiwis probably been the worst at that than we've ever seen. Oh, they just yeah. turn up on a Friday <laughs> and expect the place to be open and ready to go. So, um, yeah, that's been really challenging, I know, for a number of our operators. But I guess yeah, it's an experience I've been used to, as you say, through um, kind of some activity bits and pieces as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So with either with your RTO hat on or just with your marketer hat on, because you do have a long you know, career in, in marketing as well, but what's the best advice that you would give to tourism businesses at the moment? Hmm, best advice. Um, it, would, it would certainly be to make sure you're keeping your brand alive. Don't go completely dark because uh, there's obviously a heap of activity happening out there. And I mentioned it before, we're kind of letting others create the interest in some of those bigger, noisier markets, but we're still active. And it's the same for a tourism business. You've got to remain active. You've got to keep spending on marketing. Now, if you've got a little bit of downtime, would be a really good time to look at your digital um, presence and making yep. sure that that's up to speed. One of the things I've discovered um, in the last few months, actually, is how many businesses aren't good at keeping their Google listings up to date. And obviously as hours of operating are flexible at the moment, as people are changing to demand, often the Google listings aren't um, matching on those hours of operation. That's a real source of frustration for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like pretty simple, but yeah, that would kind of probably be the, the first quick and easy tip is go and check out what your digital presence looks like and, and get, make sure your Google listings are up to date. Yeah. And, and obviously stay connected to your RTO. Mm. Of course, given, <laughs> of course, that's a no, given. You know, I mean, it, it yeah. sounds really basic, but there probably are some operators now who haven't traditionally worked with the RTO because they've had a very international business. They're on the smaller scale and, and now they're trying to expand their networks and they're actually discovering their RTO for the first time. So, yeah, oh, like 100%. With our tourism businesses, it's been, we've always had a pretty strong relationship, but what we've started to develop further now is a stronger relationship or association with our wineries That's who primarily had I guess you know they're winemakers right that's their primary role but yep. what they've started to appreciate is actually how important tourism is to their business as well and so we've had a lot more engagement from those businesses in 
recent time. So certainly I think of it as a bit of a no-brainer, but you're right. <laughs> Engage with your RTO, understand yeah. what they're up to. Many of the RTOs are working in partnership with the likes of the Regional Business Partner Program and others yes. like that, and we certainly are. So we're sending, we're able to connect our operators or tourism businesses with support programs as well, which has been really helpful. I know. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. Uh, just on that, your point about going dark as well with your marketing activity, I, I, we were talking on our last podcast about the Tourism New Zealand updates and the roadshow that they've been doing around the country. And, and I took a note on that, that um, they had said that it takes or it adds three to five years to your recovery if you do go dark. And that's why when a lot of businesses are asking them or people asking them why they're still spending money in the international market, well, obviously that's, that's the important part for them to keep brand New Zealand alive in the mm. international market. So we are ready when the borders reopen. So yeah, it is a big yeah, recovery to, to make if you do. That's right. You've got to spend all that money, right, to build it back up again mm-hmm. rather than try to maintain it. Yeah. yeah. We haven't dropped off the planet. It's just the planet's been asked not to come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I do, if I'm brutally honest, I've probably got a few concerns about just actually how well we've dealt with this and how popular we may be mm. as we come out. Um, especially as we've been still open. Correct. Especially as we've had that discussion about over tourism very much was a topic of conversation at the very beginning of lockdown for sure. Uh, maybe we can control over tourism and whatever, but we definitely need to really be having those conversations. And I'm looking forward to our new minister helping us devise that work on that plan on what that's going to look like, what tourism, the tourism sector will look like. Did you see that CNN actually had that article about New Zealand was the only place in the world suffering from over tourism at the moment with the Chatham Islands? Oh, no, <laughs> no, I didn't so seen that. Apparently, the Chatham Islands are booked out until March 2021, and so wow. there was an article on CNN to say that the Chatham Islands in New Zealand are the <laughs> only place in the world suffering over tourism. So, um, yeah, it's it's still a thing. Who would have thought? Mm, who would have thought? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, border closures aside, what do you think is the biggest challenges facing our industry today, or on the flip side, the biggest opportunities? Hmm. Can I have two? So, look, it would be remiss of me not to mention, obviously, uh, the talent side of the industry. Yes, uh, we don't have as many jobs in the industry right now, obviously, through everything that we've been through. Um, but I guess my my concern would be we haven't solved the issues. The perception of what a tourism career is is still not great amongst younger people and amongst parents of those younger people. And in fact, if anything, it's probably been more further damaged uh, because obviously it's also been shown up as being quite volatile. That you could have a job today and not one tomorrow if uh, all of a sudden we close borders. So while the problem has dissipated for now in terms of attracting talent into the industry, it's still a problem and it will return a problem in the next five years if we haven't dealt with it and we don't Mm. figure out how we do attract people into the industry and retain good people in the industry as well so that's problem number one uh and i guess we've just been touching on it as well is that over tourism piece and we've really enjoyed at central otago we've really enjoyed the borders being closed and and domestic tourists who do go further and explore Mm -hmm. deeper we've seen the positive outcomes of regional dispersal the risk, I suppose, becomes when those borders reopen and those Kiwis disappear back overseas to their normal holiday spots and the internationals come back and then they settle into the normal, if you like, tourism hotspots, Golden Route, mm. that we don't see that dispersal and those 
places once again get overrun. So yeah, for me, I guess that's another key one or another threat. And it's a threat to our reputation as much as anything, because it certainly was having an impact on our reputation just prior to going into lockdown. Yeah, Look, I'm, I'm going to pick up on that and uh, on that regional dispersal topic. And I think I absolutely agree with you, Dylan, even just off my own holiday that I've come back from. That's exactly what I did. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing through our businesses as well. But how do we keep that going? And we obviously didn't do a very good job of it prior to lockdown or prior to COVID, or we weren't managing it as well as we could have. How do you think we do maintain, you know, keeping those visitors into those other regions and not wanting that one particular picture at the top of Roy's Peak, for instance? It's okay, you can go and walk Isthmus and get that, get just a great shot, you know, or go and take a walk in Central and you can equally get that, that same shot. You know, how do we communicate that it doesn't have to be that one Instagram photo. It could, you could get something that's equally as great as that Instagram photo. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's much easier to identify the problem than necessarily the solution. Look, I think as we do return to markets, and I think this is a part where Tourism New Zealand and, and everyone has a big part to play, but if we can start sharing that love around profiling of different locations and different destinations and I appreciate having been in the roles uh, and traveling offshore you know it's the larger better funded companies that are able to get offshore and and promote and sell their products and obviously come up with the bigger and and stronger campaigns Uh, but I guess that also self-perpetuates more visitors into the same locations and so Mm -hmm. if we can somehow assist some of these smaller parts of New Zealand and these smaller operators to equally start raising their own profile and tell people bigger, broader stories about what's a country, I think that will help. But yeah, look, it's going to be a challenge once again. It takes, as we saw with Roy's Peak, you know, one Instagram influencer and everyone wants to be there, right? And so it's, I guess it's also... As much as we can, whether that's RTOs or Tourism New Zealand or tourism operators trying to influence where those photos are taken and and who's taking them and who they're sharing them to as best we possibly can. Mm. It's funny, actually, because I'm a member um, of the New Zealand Motorhome Caravan Association. And in a sense, they're quite similar. Uh, They share, there's a very active little social network on um, Facebook um, and they share photos of all the places they're at and they share all the the cheap free freedom camping locations and I'm sitting there as an RTO going, oh no, don't put a photo (laughs) up of our region Uh, because obviously we want them staying in the commercial campgrounds. Uh, We don't want them just staying around the lakesides for free and, and things like that. So, but I guess those little online communities become quite strong themselves. And that's been interesting actually watching that as that's developed as well. Yeah, it has, Mm. hasn't it? Like we've had the New Zealand travel tips page, which has gone gangbusters on Facebook. And I've just done a little search of the hashtag do something new NZ, because obviously I've been singing that song in my head for a week. It's so catchy. It is (laughs) Frustratingly catchy. catchy. (laughs) I won't sing it now for you, but you know, things like this, 15,400 posts at the moment using that hashtag. And if we can encourage more operators to use that, the one that pops up, because I follow that hashtag and 
the business that pops up mostly is an alpaca farm in the South Island somewhere. They're prolific on using wow. that and they've got really good content, but it's little things like that. And of course, there are some of our more famous spots that feature heavily in that hashtag, but there's also some really off the beaten Play, you know track places as well and I know I've been tempted to to plan some of those things and put them into my itineraries when we've been traveling around so we're never going to solve it all but it, it certainly helps having you know a team of five million suddenly buying into tourism once again and having had that experience to go and explore their backyards a little bit more and hopefully become really big advocates for traveling around New Zealand when the borders yeah. do open. Oh, absolutely. It's been one cool thing, right? You, you're creating a 5 million ambassadors for yeah. touring around the country, which mm, is, yeah. is really cool. Actually, one thing you've touched on there, Michelle, and I think that's critical as well, is content yeah. and mm. quality of content because it really varies and you've got to have strong content these days. And actually one of the roles we've just employed through the STAP funding for the RTO um, is a visual content role. Oh, so wow. someone for 12 months to literally go out and take video, predominantly video uh, yep. footage of the region for us to build out our content library. Um, but cool. Operators need to be thinking the same way. Right? Absolutely. Yep. Develop yep. your content. Cause if you don't have strong content, you're just going to get beaten. Yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And if you're an accommodation provider, don't use your iPhone to take photos of your hotel room. (laughs) You know, it's it's worth the extra money to bring in a photographer and get it done professionally because it's it's a selling point. I know I've booked places based on their photography alone. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's critical to have good, strong content. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, now you touched on it um, a little bit earlier, Dylan, but obviously tourism talent, it's a challenging time for our industry at the moment. And it's been a pretty challenging time for a lot of our friends in the industry who've been made redundant and and are out of work. So how's tourism talent going? And have you got any tips for our industry friends who, who might be looking for work at the moment? Uh, yeah, sure. So tourism talent's been a bit patchy, as you can probably imagine. Yeah. Uh, the first three months as we went into uh, into this event was pretty pretty awful, really, because as you say, many of those people were our friends and yeah. seeing a regular stream of CVs and, and people announcing um, what had happened, and, and that was awful. We have started to see some employment, re-employment starting to happen. So we've been working on a few roles actually when I say we. Uh, Jason's been doing the bulk of the work, but <laughs> we Jason. tourism, yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, we tourism talent have been working on a few roles recently, primarily with RTOs or digital and tech. Yep. The two kind of streams that seem to be particularly strong in terms of full-time employment, because that's the zone we work in, right, around that yeah. executive level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can I can talk to that level. We also launched early in the um, into things, uh, Gig Connect, which was uh, with the idea of connecting people with some spare time, com- availability to do contract work or, or short term projects to Lincoln, and we've had a few successes in there. It hasn't been as big and as strong as possibly we'd hoped, but we know that that's a platform that we'll just continue to build out and and keep growing. One of the ironic things that we've been focused on with tourism talent is trying to grow it and its global footprint. So obviously we. Uh, 
launched very early this year with Australia. We've also got some um, business partners lined up in other parts of the world um, that we're keen to deploy sooner rather than later, recognizing that there will be a bounce back and there will yeah. be equipment happening. So we want to be there able to take advantage of that as it comes comes back. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think um, the Gig Connect thing, whilst you're saying it hasn't happened yet, I do see that that will, pro- well, I don't know, in my mind, I feel that that will be one of the first types of employment to come back as people kind of tiptoe back into the markets and look for opportunities yeah. and build their businesses back again. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, actually, I can think of two off the top of my head where people have done good connect roles and actually they've ended up with a permanent role within that organisation. Oh. Um, so it's a nice little way to ease back in yes. as the employer, but also as the employee and, and good way to um, get back in and involved. Can um, I... Can I oh, just sorry, ask you, no, no, sorry, I'm just asking ask you for any listeners that don't quite understand the difference between Tourism Talent and Gig Connect, just sure. a quick, quick brief des- definition of the two. Yeah, sure. So uh, Tourism Talent is focused on executive level recruitment. So we focus on uh, working with people primarily who are paid, we're, we're looking at roles at 80,000 or more, although actually in reality, the bulk of those have been over 100,000 prior to going into lockdown. Um, and we've got a, another couple of streams of work, but then the other piece that we launched this year, still under the tourism ta- talent umbrella, but we gave it its own name, was Gig Connect. Um, and the premise behind that is to connect people who've got some spare time they might be retired they may have been made redundant due to COVID they could be an at-home mum with a bit of spare time but someone who's got the skills the capability to help businesses out on a short-term project type basis or a fixed-term awesome. contract yeah so um it was always our plan to launch we were meant to launch it late this year in conjunction with Australia um when we uh, released it over there as well but uh, obviously circumstances meant we felt it was probably right for market a bit earlier than we had intended oh that's great thank you mm. that's right um so what skill set do you think is most important in our tourism in a tourism employee, sorry. Uh, funny, I was asked this question actually only just last week, and um, I think it's it's adaptability or it's flexibility. Um, mm. We'll go with it. It's adaptability, right? You've got to adapt to an ever-changing situation, and, and your day, I touched on it before, but your day is often never the way you had it planned. Um, and that doesn't matter what your role in tourism is. Um, you can be in the front lines, you can be back of house, but what you think you are going to be doing for the day is often not the way it, it pans out. And so you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be reasonably capable to adapting under pressure. Often people in front of you or situations changing beyond your control and you just get on with it and get stuck in. And often you're working in a team. So clearly teamwork's generally going to be pretty important within that as well. Yeah, I agree. Very common themes that have come through in previous episodes that we've had as well. So absolutely. Can I just ask one last question that we have asked in previous episodes? If you were going to say to somebody, Dylan, why they should join our industry, what would you what would you tell some young budding person wanting to come into the industry? What would you say to them? Well, really good question, Lisa. Um, So if I, how do I put it? Um, <laughs> I think, look, 
I think I would be telling them just simply, if I'm talking to someone young, I'm going to be telling them about how much fun it is and how um, you get to do some incredible stuff that mm. people just do not get to do in a normal day job. So if I think about visual content creator that we've just employed in the RTO, he's only been mm. on the job, what are we, nine days now. He's already been on a helicopter trip. He's already been out on um, the Roxburgh Gorge bike trip by sorry bike trail and on the jet boats he's they were out shooting today out across i think the rail trail so stuff like that right just stuff that mm. you just you would never get to do it's so much fun um the people are awesome because you just create amazing bonds and friendships with the people you work with so um yeah it's it's awesome yeah it is good yeah. fun well that's why that's why we've all been in it so long and stayed in yeah. tourism right yeah. Hanging on. Even when the going gets tough, we hang in there. Hang in totally. There. And yeah. I think I think actually this year, I, don't get me wrong, it's been pretty shitty for many people, but even those that aren't currently working in tourism because of the circumstances are still part of that family yeah. and still connected. And that's been really cool um, mm. to just see how everyone's wrapped around and supported each other because it has been pretty shitty yeah. yeah but everyone has really supported one another and it does very much feel like you know just a big bunch of mates that get to hang out with much of the time and, and joke around with while doing a bit of work so and being paid it's crazy right yeah it is it's good fun and you think back over the years of the people who have left the industry for various reasons they've been offered other opportunities and and you might say goodbye to them at trends one year and then the next year they're back <laughs> with a, with another business because they just they realize that the grass isn't greener on the other side and that tourism was where they wanted to be so yeah, yeah absolutely Cool. Hey, now, Dylan, we're getting to the end of the interview, so you're nearly off the hook. But one of the things that we like to do is run a bit of a quick fire round. So we've got some questions to ask you, and we just need the first thing that pops into your head when we ask you. So are you ready? Are you up for that? I'm up for it. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Summer or winter? Summer. North Island or South Island? South Island. <laughs> That's a pretty obvious one. Sorry. <laughs> okay, what's your favourite winery? Oh, it's right next to me, uh, Domain Road. Oh, good choice. Do you know I had one of their Pinots last night, actually. Mm. Cycling or golf? Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna have to say cycling, but and simply because I get on my bike often, but I do enjoy the odd round of golf. But it's been about three years since I've played. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Favourite place in New Zealand? (laughs) (laughs) This is going to sound really patriotic, and it kind of is, but it's true. It's going to be Naseby. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Is that because of the curling? It's just because it's such a gorgeous little village, and Mm. whether you're there in summer or winter, it's... It's a completely different experience, but the people there are just incredible. They're so warm and welcoming, and you can go curling, you can go biking, and they've got a great little pub there. So, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's just a quaint little village. Kind of feels like New Zealand did 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, cool. Go Naseby. What's your favourite place in the world? Favourite country for experiences that I've travelled around would have to be India. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Awesome. It's confronting, but yeah. it's also incredible and 
beautiful in, in so many ways as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, um, I can't remember who makes it, but it's that new, well, relatively new, um, the peanut butter one. Hmm. Oh. Peanut butter chocolate chip one. Oh. I think it's a tip top one. Oh, I don't know actually who makes it. But, but, okay, but peanut yeah, butter and chocolate it, chip anyway. There's been a little bit of it consumed. Well, consumed during <laughs> lockdown, actually, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit weird to me. It's like something you put on your toast. <laughs> uh, it's it's good. Go go hunt it out. <laughs> okay. All right, I will. And um, finally, whiskey or Pinot Noir? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> I'm going to say whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know, that's going against brands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am very partial, rather partial um, to whiskey. So, yeah, it'd have to be whiskey. Yes. Oh, very good. Okay. Now, before we head off, I know there'll be a lot of people listening who are either interested in finding out about what jobs tourism talent might have, or there may be some business owners out there who are starting to think about re-employing people. So how do they find, not you, but Jason, <laughs> or the tourism <laughs> talent team? Uh, sure. So you can just simply Google uh, Tourism Talent New Zealand and we should come up up the top of the rankings there. But <laughs> the website uh, is tourism-talent.com. Perfect. And, um, and for those of us listening who are now planning a trip down to Naseby mm. or to central Otago. Um, Don't all go to Naseby at once, please. I'll be right. <laughs> yeah, Good tip. <laughs> we don't want that to be the next CNN over tourism. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, how do we, where do we learn more about central Otago? Uh, sure. So again, website is centralotagonz.com um, or you can jump on, follow the hashtag, which is centralotagonz um, and you'll see plenty of the content um, that's flying around out there about that as well. Perfect. And awesome. you've got a brand new website out there and it looks amazing, I have to say. I have mm-hmm. trawled through it and um, yeah, well done to you and the team on, on that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's certainly, I didn't have much to do with it, aside from <laughs> well, tick a box and pay a cheque, but the team did a heck of a good job on it, yeah. <laughs> I kind of knew that, but you know. I'm no, it's great. And it has, yeah, it's been very well received, both by um, visitors and operators as well, which is great. Yeah, perfect. Okay, well, that's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. If you want to follow us, it's Destinate NZ on Facebook or Destinate underscore NZ on Instagram or the website is DestinateNZ.com. But until next week, we'll have another great guest lined up. Thanks for joining us today, Dylan, and we'll see you next time. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Bye-bye. See ya.